Matthew 24. Uh, we've been getting a lot of questions here at the church emails and, and all of that about some things going on, as uh, you've probably seen in the news. But you'll remember that it was the, um, it was the second week of January. It was January 12th. And uh, I, I came up and I said, turn to Matthew 24. And uh, w- when, I, when we began, I had mentioned that we had seen here in, in the year that, that there had been a, a church shooting, there had been an attack on an American embassy, there had been a response, there had been uh, an earthquake in Puerto Rico, and, and uh, they were saying at that time that it was the largest earthquake they'd seen in Puerto Rico in, in 100 years. I don't, I don't know that they're still saying that. And I listed a couple of other things, and then I said, and what hits me is it's only January 12th. And uh, would you agree that a lot's taken place in the world over the course of the last month, month and a half? And we've certainly seen some things. So uh, I wanted to talk about some things that we, we talked about before. So a little bit of this is going to be redundant, but I want to also share from some things that we didn't get to share as we went through that back in January. Now, when I look at the world's events, I always look at things that are taking place through the lens of Bible prophecy. And, and Bible prophecy is so important because it lets you know what's going on. If you don't understand Bible prophecy, you can find yourself a little bit freaked out at times at some of the things that you see. So uh, the reason I love Bible prophecy, and I want you to write this down, and again, this is a little bit redundant from last time, but Bible prophecy helps us to understand that things aren't falling apart, but they are falling into place. And so we took a week and we talked about that back in January. So today I want to come back through some of that, but from a slightly different angle as we go. So as we pick up our story there in Matthew 24, Jesus has been saying some things and uh, it's a few days before he goes to the cross. And in chapter 24, verses one and two, Jesus comes out from the temple there in Jerusalem, was going away when his disciples came up to him to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you that not one stone here will be left upon another which is not torn down. And uh, you know, if you've been around for any length of time, you'll know that that we talk about this that happened in the year 70 AD. Jesus says that not one stone will be left upon another. And it was in 70 AD as the Romans came in, they invade Jerusalem and uh, the temple catches on fire and the gold melts on top of the temple, goes down between the cracks of the stones. And uh, the Romans say, we're not leaving the gold. So they literally take every stone apart to get the gold out of the temple. And it was at that point that Israel ceased to exist as a nation. So Jesus gives a little bit of highlight there. He doesn't go into all of that, but the disciples are kind of shocked at what he says. And so they wait till he's alone And they're going to ask him three questions. In verse 3 it says, As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Now you want to keep in mind, this is not a public sermon that Jesus has given. Uh, This is to the disciples, to believers, and this is a, a private thing as he shares. And they ask him three questions. So he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming? That's the second question. And of the end of the age, the end of the age. So they ask, when will these things happen? Jesus has just said that the temple is going to be destroyed, not one building, uh, not one stone upon another. 
And, and then they, they say, when would these things happen? And then they say, what would be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And they have rightfully paired his coming with the end of the age. So they connected that. Jesus is now going to take two chapters to answer those three questions. If Jesus takes two chapters to answer those three questions, it's important. It's important. So Jesus begins to respond, and in verse 4, now before we read verse 4, let me just say, we're going to notice they ask, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, who cares? Don't focus in on that. That's not important. Uh, It all pans out in the end. There's so many other things we need to focus in on. That's not his response. So verse 4, notice he says, and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it, see to it, very emphatic, see to it that no one misleads you, no one misleads you. And he says, see to it that no one misleads you. Some of your Bibles say, see to it that no one deceives you. And so the idea is Jesus says, I, I'm going to tell you what you've asked, and, and uh, but when I tell you, now you need to see to it that no one misleads you. The idea is I'm going to tell you, but now you're responsible to understand. So I want you to go ahead and, and write this down because this is apparently important to Jesus, that Jesus expects us to know this. He expects us to know this. He says, see to it that no one misleads you. Now, I personally think that in church world today that we are misled on these things because it's very common in, in church world to say we don't talk about Bible prophecy. A third of the Bible is prophecy, um, but we'll be told, you know, we focus in on things like how to build better relationships, how to have better finances. But uh, Jesus says on this, see to it that no one misleads you. So he begins with an overview. This is not the sign of his coming, but this is kind of an overview. We're going to pick up in verse 5, and he says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And uh, we talked about that before, so I'm going to kind of go on to verse 6, and he says, And you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. So see to it that you're not misled, and see to it that you're not frightened, for these things must take place but that is not the end. Now, uh, when he says, see to it that you're not frightened, it's an interesting word. Uh, you can translate that, say, see that you're not panicked, uh, see that you're not alarmed. If I were to translate it, I would use the word freaked out, but uh, that, that's how I, I see it. And, and what you find is that the only ones who are afraid or frightened are the ones who don't understand what's going on. There's something about understanding this that takes away that fear. But he says these things must take place. And uh, so, so keep that in mind. So um, here's how they must take place. Verse 7, he says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Now how many of your Bibles add the word pestilences? Good, we'll come back to that word. Pestilences. But these are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. They're just merely the beginning of the birth pangs. Uh, when, when a woman is, is pregnant, you have this very long pregnancy uh, and, and sort of like this growing sense of discomfort. But at a certain point, labor kicks in. And when labor kicks in, those contractions begin. And as labor progresses, they become closer and closer together and more and more intense. Is that how you, you would describe it? 
and, uh, but, but it becomes more and more intense. Some of you have had the uh, experience of going into the hospital and uh, those labor pains have just kicked in and you say, I'm dying. And the nurse says, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> so they become closer and closer together and more and more intense. And so I, I talked about how in our country, you'll re- recall from history, there was the Civil War, and that was, that was really bad there in the 1800s, but that was nothing compared to World War I because that was really bad. But that was nothing compared to World War II, which is unbelievably bad. But, but these things, they'll become closer and closer together and, and more and more intense as he talks about that. So I put verse 7 on your outline, And uh, another way that he'll say it, he'll say, for nations shall rise against nation, and that word there for nation is the word ethnos, we'll come back to that, shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and there's a word there for famines, and pestilences, and uh, that word looks very much like the word for famines, loimoi, and earthquakes, and uh, that word there is seismos in diverse places. And so last time we went through this, we, we just talked about some things that we've seen in, in our generation. So for instance, it says uh, earthquakes in diverse places, the idea in places that you wouldn't normally expect. And, and I shared with you how it was in 2004, in my entire lifetime and in yours, I had never seen a tsunami. A tsunami, in my mind, was something that took place thousands of years ago on the other side of the world, but it wasn't something that we had in modern day. But then we were all just aghast as we saw what took place in Indonesia. Do you remember that? And uh, we thought, well, that's on the other side of the world one time, but it was just a few years later, and then we saw in Japan it happened again. And so closer and closer together, and and we would say more and more intense. For nation shall rise against nation, and that word there is ethnos. And uh, so the idea is that it would be ethnic unrest, and we might say racial unrest. It can mean nations, but it has nations, and then it'll say kingdoms. So this is speaking more of just differences between us. So the idea is when, when we thought we had it all worked out racially or ethnically, all of a sudden these things seem to surface again. But then it says there are famines and pestilences, famines and pestilences. Now, some of your Bibles leave out the word uh, pestilences, and you'll see that those two words are very, very close. There's only one letter that that would actually change them. And so uh, some of your Bibles, they leave out the word pestilences. Now, the reason they do this is that because the words are so close and you can actually get one from the other, uh, if you have um, if you have their famines, uh, that would lead to pestilences. If you have pestilences, it probably relates to a famine. So so the two are very very close. But um, I would want you to know that it's been two words since the beginning of of the Bible. As a matter of fact, when the Bible was was translated into Latin, uh, when when the Catholics translated it, it was two words. And it's been two words, which is why some of your Bibles have pestilences and famines, and, and some uh, of the more modern translations take that out. And I don't think that that's, that's a good thing that that word was taken out, but we would hold that there's two words there, although they're very, very close. But the word pestilence there, lemoy, can mean a plague, and it can mean disease. And uh, so it can be a plague, like something that, that uh, you might see. How many of you have, have seen on the news um, the plague of locusts that are just destroying. All right, how many of you have not seen this? 
we got to work on what news station you watch. <laughs> One of the things that you find is that when, when news is given, news is given to sell advertising. So they're going to tell you what's going to get you to watch the most, not always what's actually happening. But uh, if you were to go say to the Jerusalem Post, Bible coming to life, locust plague, Middle East, Asia, also China and Africa. And uh, they show some pictures and these countries have mobilized their militaries because they don't know what to do. And they're saying if something doesn't happen quickly, this is going to multiply by 400 times. And, and they're talking about they're seeing crops being wiped out in a matter of minutes because this is so large. Uh, one one uh, group of locusts was three times the size of New York City as it just went through and just destroyed the crops. So, so you see plagues. And, and so these things are going to continue and they're going to increase. But an, another thing, um, you know, they're going to increase like birth pangs. But, but you also have that word pestilence. It can also mean disease, disease. So when I was in college, uh, way back when the pilgrims first came over, <laughs> um, there was a new disease that came out, and it was called AIDS. How many of you remember when AIDS came out? And, uh, you know, we were scared, and we were told that this was going to wipe out our country. We were told that this was going to completely destroy the, the, the whole medical community. And if you were to go to a doctor at that time, they were wearing hazmat suits and everybody was afraid of being pricked by a, a needle. How many of you remember that, that time? And, and, and that was a very scary time. Well, that was bad. And it's still bad. But, but you know, it, it's not like the, the response isn't like it was all those years ago. But that was, that was a, a birth pain. That was something that was very, very scary. Well, in 2004, I was going to China to get my daughter Hannah. And when I was going to China, there was some travel bans because of a new disease that they had, had discovered called SARS. How many of you remember that one? And so fortunately, that was lifted. I got to go to China. We got Hannah. And, and then it was in 2009, we had the H1N1 swine flu. Do you remember that one? And that one was actually uh, classified as a pandemic by the World Health Organization. So those were then. And uh, now, lately, we see this new coronavirus or whatever it's mutating in. Now, there, there's different camps of people. Uh, some people say, it's just the flu. You know, everybody gets the flu and it's going to go away. And, and that's, you know, so don't make it a big deal. Okay. Others are saying they're locking down whole countries, you know, and they're, they're uh, like Japan has canceled school for four weeks. And, and so, you know, so the response, so somewhere, you know, in there is, is the truth. Now, what I would want to say to you is this is a birth pang. This is a birth pain. And we're going to see in a few moments how this is not going to be the end of the world, but it is a birth pain that we're going to see. So in a few minutes, we'll talk about also why Jesus says, uh, make sure that you're not afraid. When you see these things, and, and Jesus says, these things are going to come about. There's going to be pestilence, plagues, famines. There's kingdom against kingdom. <clears throat> the, the idea is this is not God inflicting this on us. This is very much like living here in South Florida as we go into hurricane season. Somebody from the National Hurricane Center stands up and says, hey, there's a hurricane coming. Uh, that's not because they're inflicting that on us. That's so that we can prepare for what's coming our way. And so we, we prepare. You know, many times we, we, we panic, but, but uh, we prepare. 
I believe that God has told us some of these things so that we can be aware and we can appropriately prepare. In our family, we have 12 children. We have 11 kids at home. And uh, so we just always prepared just if we had to stay home for a certain period of time, we could. And our goal has always been three months. You know, whatever yours is, is yours. But, but we've always wanted to make sure that we were able to stay home for three months. If we couldn't leave, we would be able to, to, to make it through that time. How many of you remember Hurricane Andrew that went through Miami in 1992? How many of you remember that? Who was there? Yeah, I, I was there that night. Let me tell you about that. We were without electricity for six weeks. And when we wanted to gas up our car, we had to drive from Miami all the way up to Palm Beach to gas up and buy groceries and then drive all the way back down to Miami with no electricity. So, so we've been there. We've been there. So here in South Florida, you just prepare. We hope that we never have to use those things, but you want to prepare. And that's not crazy. That's just wisdom. You know, we live in South Florida. So I would encourage you, Jesus has given us some of these things so that we can just prepare for some of the things that we might see, some of these birth pangs. Now the birth pangs are not the sign of his coming. But I do want to talk about the sign of his coming. And as we get into the sign of his coming, I, I want to take a little detour, which I, I typically take. I want to share a passage with you that if you've been at this church for any length of time, you're, you're certainly familiar with. And it comes from all the way back in Isaiah, which was given about 800 years before Jesus was born. And uh, through the prophet Isaiah, he gives this incredible prophecy. And I want you to underline a few things as we go. He says, then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again, I've underlined, recover the second time with his hand, God's doing it, the remnant of his people, Israel of his people, 800 years BC, that his people would be Israel, who will remain, I've underlined the word remain, from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, which is modern day Iraq, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Now they didn't have a word for other continents back in ancient Hebrew, so they just said islands of the sea, those who would be across the sea. He's going to gather them back. And then it goes on to say, he, God, will lift up a standard for the nations and will assemble the banished ones of Israel. They've been banished from their country and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So God said in 800 BC, 800 years before Jesus was born, that he would bring back Israel into their homeland the second time. Well, when he said that, they had not been removed from their homeland even the first time. That would take place a couple of hundred years in the future. There would be a king, King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, we would say Iraq. He comes in and uh, invades the country of Israel, carries back the inhabitants of Israel back to Babylon, and it's in that time period that you have those great stories about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was the first time. Well, after about 70 years, they were allowed to come back into their homeland and they continued on. But when were they removed the second time? Well, I, I mentioned it a few minutes ago. It was the year 70 AD, Titus Vespasian, the Roman general, encircles Jerusalem, comes in and invades, destroys the city. And literally Israel at that point ceases to exist as a nation. The people in Israel 
go into literally the four corners of the earth. And for the past 2,000 years, Jewish people have been living around the earth and uh, as a nation outside of their, uh, outside of their homeland. But in 1948, as God said, Israel became a nation again. And they began to come back into their homeland uh, uh, after almost 2,000 years. Israel is the only nation on the planet in the history of the world that existed outside of its homeland. And then after 2,000 years to come back into its homeland, just as God said, and become a nation again. If you ever study church history, you will discover that Israel becoming a nation was so inconceivable that the early church fathers, after a few hundred years, as they looked at this, began to say, well, it it can't be literal. It's got to be allegorical or mystical or spiritual, but there's no way they could literally become a nation again. But in 1948, after almost 2,000 years, Israel became a nation again. So having said that, I want to go back to our story. So in our story, the disciples have come to Jesus and they've said, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus says, well, let me now answer that question. And so um, there on your outline, and we've covered this in our Matthew teaching, so I'm just going to give you the punchline very quickly, but write this down. The sign of his coming will be Israel becomes a nation again. Israel becomes a nation again. I've given you some verses that you can look up later on and read, but many places in the Bible it talks about Israel being back in the land as a nation in the last days. Verse 32 and 33 I've put on your outline, and Jesus says, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has become tender and and it puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near. How near? Right at the door. And so this is going to become the sign of his coming. In the Bible, anytime you, you see uh, the fig tree and it's used as a symbol, it's always a reference for the nation of Israel. You, you have this term called expositional constancy, where God uses the same, same terms in the same way. So for instance, if I say a dove, a dove is always a reference to the Holy Spirit. The dragon, on the other hand, would always be a reference to Satan or the, or the devil. And so you, you have this constancy in these terms. Anytime you see Israel or the fig tree used as a symbol, it always refers to the nation of Israel. That's why I put there in that little passage, Hosea 9.10, where God just says, my fig tree, Israel, and you can look that up. So in that little passage, he says, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So after a very long winter, and those of you who lived up north, you've certainly seen this, a tree will look very dead, but in this case, it's not just a tree, it's the fig tree, will look very much dead. But in the springtime, it begins to come back to life. And when it comes back to life, begins to put forth its leaves again, he goes on to say, so you too, when you see all these things, he says, you know that summer is near. The idea is that the next event is going to be that he is there right at the door. So in this little passage, Israel's going to look dead for a very long period of time, 
almost 2,000 years. But at a certain point, when God says, I'm going to bring them back into their land, the second time, they're going to come back to life. And we saw that in 1948. Now, verse 33 from your Bible, he says, so you too, when you see all these things, that is, you see that fig tree come back to life, recognize that he is near right at the door, right at the door. And then verse 34, he says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. He's not talking about the generation 2,000 years ago. He's talking about the generation that sees that fig tree come back to life. My mom was eight years old when Israel became a nation. That generation has not passed away. Uh, Close, but not passed away yet. But that generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Well, he knows how crazy this would sound to you and me. So he says in verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The idea is what I'm telling you, you can take to the bank. Verse 36, he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. So you and I won't know the day, we won't know the hour, so we don't set dates. But we will know the generation because that generation will not pass away. Then he goes one step further, verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, in, in that, most people missed it. Uh, they, they just went on with their lives. They didn't believe it. They didn't heed it. They just, and, and so they missed it. And uh, what I find so interesting in this passage there in verse 38 He says, in those days they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that that Noah entered the ark. And this is what I find so fascinating. You have on the one side, you have these incredible birth pangs. You have wars and you have pestilences and you have famines and all of that. And then over here, they're buying and selling and giving in marriage. Do you know that you and I live in the only generation where that could happen? Where there could be something happening on the other side of the world a pestilence, a famine, an earthquake. And tomorrow morning, although we hear about it today, we get up in the morning and we go to work. And you know, we're, we're just building, we're planting, we're buying and we're selling and, and, and all of that. Now that tells you, that tells you that there's going to be these pestilences, but it's not going to be an entire meltdown of the world before he comes back. So um, not part of my notes, but I, I never let that stop me. But <laughs> last night, my daughter Abigail uh, announced that she was marrying Albert, and uh, who is a wonderful, wonderful guy. It's great when your kids are marrying the guy that you go, I've been praying for you for two decades now, and you showed up, and th- this is an awesome thing. So um, we're, we are planning a wedding now at our house. We recognize, you can applaud for that. So on the one hand, we recognize that there are these birth tanks. On the other hand, 
we're buying, we're selling, we're giving in marriage. And, and so all of these things are taking place at the same time. And we live in the only generation where that could happen. So um, it's verse 40, let's go on. He says, so this is where it all ends. Then there will be two men in one field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Now, normally I, I put in Luke's gospel where it says two are in bed, two are in the field, two are in, at the mill. And uh, it, it's a worldwide event. This is not the second coming of Jesus. This is not where Jesus comes back. This is where there are two, one is taken and the other one is left. It's a picture of what we call the rapture of the church. That's a story for another day. But I, I wanted to highlight just a couple of things very quickly. Verse 37, Jesus says, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. And I put that there on your outline. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be on the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. When Jesus says this and he talks about his coming, he never says it will be like it was in the days of Ezekiel or Isaiah. Uh, or, or David. He, he never says that. He says it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. Now normally at this point I have us all go back to the days of Noah, which is Genesis chapter 6. We're not going to do that today. And uh, point out some things that it says would be happening when Jesus comes back. I did want to point out one thing. We talked about this back in January. But Genesis chapter 6 is the days of Noah. And it talks about this is what was happening just before you know, God sent the flood. But verse 11 of Genesis chapter 6, it says this, the earth was filled with violence. And I made the comment at that point that it's very interesting to me and to some Bible commentators and scholars that the word violence there in the Hebrew is the word Hamas. Does everybody see that? It's very interesting that that's the same word of a terrorist organization that surrounds Israel today and wants to destroy them. It's called Hamas. And it's interesting that it says that that will cover the earth. Hamas represents a religion, it represents an ideology, and, and it's going to be covering the earth. And I find that fascinating. But, but it says that violence will cover the earth. So maybe in those days they were flying airplanes in the buildings. And maybe they were shooting upwards of 500 people and killing over 50 or uh, putting pressure cookers at marathons and blowing people up. You know, but, but violence was covering the earth. And so that's one of the things that we see will be very, very prevalent just before Jesus comes back. Yet they will be buying, they will be selling, they'll be giving in marriage. So these things are going to kind of exist at the same time. Paul would say it like this. You must understand that in the last days there will be, what's that word? Violent periods of time. Would you agree that we live in a very interesting time period? I, I remember back 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when I, was, when I was a kid, we didn't have alarms on our house and uh, we didn't always lock our door. But we do now, don't we? Uh, because the world is changing. The world is changing. So Paul says in the last days there will be violent periods of time. So on the one hand you have these birth pains and then on the other hand you have buying and selling and giving and marriage and these things are going to be kind of going on together. So a couple of thoughts as we close. 
Um, first of all, it's going to be business as usual in an unusual time. Business as usual in an unusual time. These things are going to be happening. We're going to get tomorrow. We're going to go to work and we're going to go about our lives. And, but these things are happening and we're certainly going to see that. We notice some things about Noah. It says it would be just like it was in the days of Noah. And you want to write down, Noah wasn't afraid, but he prepared. He prepared. In the New Testament, it says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about the things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah learned what was going to be happening. God told him, and he didn't take it casually. He said, I I need to prepare for some things that God says are coming upon the earth. If you look at at what the Bible says as birth pains and uh, some of the things that it says are going to be taking place, what steps would you, as a family or as an individual, what steps would you take if you really believe that what God said was going to happen, was, was actually going to happen. Uh, again, in our family, we've made the decision that we always want to be prepared. It's just wisdom. It's not crazy. It's just wisdom. Because hurricanes happen. Things happen. Another thing that we, we notice, and you want to write this down, and I think this is uh, why Jesus said, don't be afraid. As Noah prepared, he believed that God would provide, protect, and preserve his family. Jesus says, see to it that you are not frightened for those things must take place. I, I, th- I think that part of Jesus saying, don't be afraid, is because as we take what he says seriously and we appropriately take steps that we can trust that he's going to protect and he's going to provide and he's going to take care of us in this time. And that's why he says, don't be afraid. So what I want to do is to come back not sure if it'll be next week or the following week, probably next week, we'll see. But talk about how do you walk in faith in this time as you see some of these things taking place around us and uh, what, what, how would the Lord have us walk in faith? Did you at least find that interesting today? Good, good, good. All righty. Well, let's go ahead and uh, close in prayer and maybe we'll pick it up there next week. Maybe we'll come back to Acts. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Let's pray. Father, as we see the world around us, we believe what you say, and we're not afraid, we're not frightened by these things, but we're also not deceived by these things. And so we want to be appropriate in our response. We want to listen to how you would have us to go forward and and what you would have us to do so that we can best represent you and we can be a blessing to our families and, and maybe even to those around us in these challenging times. Father, I pray that you keep each and every one of us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.